I don't care if you're three months in, six months in, or two weeks in. You need to make sure that you always have your eyes open for opportunities around you. Consider this your fair warning. We talk fast, we move fast, we swear fast. So if you're listening at 2 speed, you may miss some content, but you also want the F-bombs. You're welcome. Hi, I'm Vanessa. And I'm Holland. You're listening to Ask Your Workwife, where every week we answer your questions about how to get more out of corporate America. Hi, Workwives. This is Catherine from Outside Cheyenne. I'm leaving my current company because I've been there for over four and a half years with minimal progression in title and pay. I just saw they posted my position on LinkedIn, and it's a title one step above my own, something I've been asking for for over two years. Like, wow. It's not that they couldn't all along, like they said, it's that they wouldn't for me. How would you handle this? Ugh, right? This is terrible. This is the worst feeling in the world. I've seen this happen. This happened to me. Oh. Uh-huh. It's gut-wrenching. It's sinking. It's, it's like betrayal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like your long-standing boyfriend's cheating on you mm-hmm. and you're just like, fucker. And like the unfortunate truth is we all do this. Like I've done this. I put my heart and soul into a job. I expect to fucking retire with that. I want the whole like vested 401k for 20 some odd years. I want that 30 year bonus. But that's just not how the world works. Especially now. Especially now. Everyone needs to understand companies are companies. They will never give you everything you give it. So you need to make sure you know what you're there for, that you get in and you may have to get out. And like, yeah, your next growth, we've talked about this, your next step can be within that company, but you have to accept the fact that it may be without the company. And for that reason, we say you always need an exit strategy because you don't want to find yourself in a position like this where you happen upon the fact that something you've been asking for, no one's advocating for you for. Truth is you're the only one advocating for yourself. You know, what you're experiencing, Catherine, does feel like a betrayal trying to have an exit strategy while you're at a company also feels like you're betraying it. And I want to let you know that the company, while it may give you that unlimited vacay and that really cool perk and the ping pong and the pizza party. (laughs) There's a lot of peas in this so far, but I like it. Um, They don't really care about you. Your manager should like you, should care about you, should want your growth, but her job is to make your growth match the company's needs And that's the end of it. We talk a lot about making sure you're indispensable. You're closer to the product. You're having these progressive one-on-ones and statuses. But you have to remember that there's a big difference between indispensable and irreplaceable. You can make yourself more indispensable, but you're absolutely not irreplaceable. Companies will always drive to a bottom line. So the more money you're making, the more expensive you are, the more they want to remove you as a line item. And that's a corporation acting as a corporation. It's not personal. It's business. So don't feel bad about making sure you have an exit strategy. I say this all the time. I've said it in this episode already. You are the only person advocating for yourself. So you need to advocate for yourself internally and externally. There's a lot of reasons to leave. Yours is one of them. Catherine, um, they're hiring your promotion, essentially. That's, That's the kindest reason, I think. There's other ones where an environment just becomes way too toxic for you. I've seen that a lot. Mm -hmm. There's also the possibility there's just no growth. Like, that was one of the reasons that I left one of the first and best jobs that I ever had was I came in as a corporate compliance director. There was nowhere else for me to go. I could train people below me and I did, but like there was no growth there. And like the owner of the company knew it. 
she, as a family friend, asked me to come in, fix a problem. I fixed the problem. I got him into maintenance mode. And then I got an offer from a law firm to do the same thing, but for 500 clients around the country. And she said, you know what? I can't hold you back from that. So go for it. It, it can be good. It can be bad. It can be toxic. It can be something like a betrayal. But e- like either way, there's a few things you need to always have turning in the background. Having an exit strategy is all about knowing what your next move is. It can be inside your current company. It might be outside. It behooves you to have your feelers out all the time. All the time. I don't care if you're three months in, six months in, or two weeks in. You need to make sure that you always have your eyes open for opportunities around you. There's three ways to do this. The first one is you need to set yourself up to get monthly emails from LinkedIn, Glassdoor, Indeed, whatever it is, with openings in your next move. So not your current position, but wherever you want to go next. And you need to apply for them and you need to interview for them. What that does for you is a few things. One, it keeps you aware of what the going market price is for that position and what your market verticals are. We've talked about that. The other thing it does for you is you know what's in the job description. You can start asking your manager in those one-on-ones for stretch projects that get you experience in the requirements for your next position up. That also gives you the opportunity to exercise interviewing muscles and get real feedback on why you aren't qualified. Interviewing, resume writing, it's a skill. And it's a skill you can only keep up with practice, even if you're very happy in your current role. And it might feel really awkward to apply and interview for outside roles, but it's the only way to really have a have a finger on the pulse of the industry. Yes, that's, that, that, that's how they say it. Okay. That's what the kids are saying these days. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I had a dream job at one point. It might still be a dream job, but I think I've changed course. But I really wanted to work for one of the leading PR firms in the world. And I just decided to interview with them. Like, I was like, I wonder what it would take to work at this PR firm. It's information gathering. Totally. So I put together a resume. I found a job description that I could more or less be qualified for, 60%. (laughs) So I applied for it, got an interview interviewed did two rounds of interviews and they decided not to go with me so they sent me an email very nice it was like you know we've decided to go a different direction I felt the fuck up with that email and said hey can I get some real feedback on what you're missing like why did you pick someone else over me and I I had to send it a few times I had to find them on LinkedIn it took a minute but I got the most critical valuable feedback in that moment from that company my dream job was telling me exactly what I needed to work on in order to be hired by them it was amazing it was just a checklist Now I know what I need to do. And I went out and did it. And I would hate for you to be in the position where you're ready to leave. Right, Catherine? You're you're out the door. Yeah, you're gone. (laughs) I would hate for you to be surprised by what you see on the other side. I would much rather you've been interviewing maybe every few months. You know what the job descriptions are doing. You know what the salary ranges are. You know what's needed in the next role that you're looking for. And this is just par for the course because you're doing it anyway. Even better, you know what the standard is for resumes. Like every few months it changes. Do we put a picture on? Do we not put a picture on? Do we have it in chronological order? Do we have it skills-based? Do we have our GPA on it? First of all, you don't ever have your GPA on a resume. <laughs> no. But anyway, <laughs> but like the what what hiring managers are looking for changes, I swear, with every class of graduates. Right, right, right. And there's particular industries or roles that are even more subject to that type of volatility. So so keep your keep your finger on the pulse of the industry. There you go. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> So that's the first thing you need to do in order to always have an exit strategy, set up those notifications for job openings and act on them. The next thing to do to make sure your exit strategy is in place 
and Holland, I think you and I both do this, is a personal postmortem. Oh, this is, we definitely do this. (laughs) Make sure at the completion of every project in your current role, make sure you send yourself to your personal email address kind of a postmortem on your project. It doesn't need to be very long, maybe a few bullet points, but it includes high-level things that you're going to end up putting in your resume. You don't have to write your resume right now, but you need this information. You're going to forget it in a year or two when you need your resume updated, but you're going to have the following bullets. The budget of the project or the potential revenue it would make, or and by the time you write your resume, you might actually know how much it did make. Timeline. What, what was unique about it? Was it crashed? Was it accelerated? Was it a standard timeline? Did you bring this project in under the timeline? Any unique hurdles or challenges faced and how you overcame them? How many people reported to you, you coordinated with, or cross-departmental partners you had? This can include, and especially interesting if you were part of a tiger team that got formed, so like one representative from multiple departments to like work on a project. If you were leading that tiger team, those people technically reported to you. Um, The other thing you want to include is key learnings you will carry into your next project. You know what else I've heard some people do? Mm. (laughs) I've heard people are screenshotting parts of Slack conversations. Like, you know, there's there's kind of a chatter after something launches where, like, everybody's sending emojis and, like, like you're just... All the emojis. Yeah. Compliments. Like, it's a thing that kind of happens. They're actually screenshotting those and just kind of tucking them in there. Keeping them around. Yeah. Well, I think think it'd be really valuable because... It could remind you of the importance of the project in the greater, like what you were actually doing for the business and, and how that impacted the people you were working with. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, that's, that's one of the key things in an interview. You wouldn't necessarily include a screenshot in your resume. Right. Right. Or that language in resume. Like, Look fire emojis. I got. <laughs> this is how I determine my word. <laughs> but like, remind yourself of the emotions surrounding this. And it's going to be definitely useful in an interview situation where somebody asks you, how was this received? What kind of impact did it have on the business? Even better, you can go into what kind of impact it had on morale. Ooh. Yeah. That's nice. I really just want to emphasize the fact that you have to do this immediately after the project is over or is completed because you're super going to forget mm-hmm. what you did and how it mattered and what impact it made and the revenue and the budget and all that stuff. You're going to forget. Like there's no way you're going to remember because you're going to move on just like everybody else. So your job is to remember for yourself. And of course, this is where the agendas for your statuses and one-on-ones come in really handy. But you got to do this personal postmortem immediately after the project. Send it to your personal email so you have it. Again, the hack is to do the same subject line. <laughs> yes, we, be- we believe in subject lines. Big fan. Um, the, other, the other note on why you have to do it immediately is if you're working in a company who's working ahead, which you should be, there are some projects that you've worked on that will not launch until two or three years after you've left the company. One of my managers worked at a very large corporation where they were working on five-year roadmaps, and he... When he left, there were a whole bunch of things that hadn't launched. And so when I saw them launch, I'd be like, oh my gosh, did you work on this? He's like, oh yeah, forgot about that. Forgot about that. We don't want that. No, we do not <laughs> want any forgetting about things that are going to do more money in the future. All right, we've got one other suggestion for how to keep your exit strategy fresh. And that is networking. Oh God. <laughs> I know, I, I'm getting the eye roll over here. I know everyone gets a really weird vibe about this word. It feels sleazy. It feels weird. It feels like I'm only getting to know you to further myself. Like, yeah. but, but like it doesn't have to be that. And in fact, good networking isn't that. What it really is, is building genuine relationships and understanding people and just keeping them in your life. I had a professor who, she's my comms 101 professor, loved her, and she described it this way. She's like, public relations practitioners, in one pocket, keep bridges, and in the other pocket, keep chasms. The bridges being 
solutions, the chasms being problems. And then their whole life is just matching bridges and chasms. When they run across bridges, people with solutions, and they like happen upon someone with a problem, they put those people together. They're like matchmakers. I understand you so much more right now. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. I loved this metaphor. I've, I've incorporated into my entire outlook on the world. So much so that like I had a friend reach out to me recently who we knew each other at school. We've kind of kept in touch with each other, but like in the way that you like, like someone's post on Facebook or like when they move, you kind of say congratulations. He posted that he was looking to hire someone for this job. He owns a company now. And so I messaged him on Instagram. I was like, Hey, I think I might have somebody for you. So he called me thinking that it was me. And I was like, no, no, it's actually someone else. But then he was like, Oh, well, what are you doing these days? Like, it's been a while. Let's catch up now since I've got you on the phone. So I told him what I was up to. And he's like, well, hang on. You've been working in this specific industry. I was like, yes. And he's like, you know, I own a company in the industry. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, he's like, and I'm looking for someone with your skills. I was like, well, I don't, I don't need a job, but I have my own agency. And he's like, great. I don't think I need a full-time person, but I would like to hire you. It's wild. Right. And like what came out of this, like simple, it was a, it was someone it's who you fought like a mutual follow, right? Yeah. That's all it was. And it's just being cool and kind. Yeah. And keeping up with each other. Like that's, that's exactly what networking is. It's just keeping people around in the Rolodex, keeping up with them, not to like, I never looked at any of his posts like, if I like this, he's going to hire me when I own my own agency in 10 years. Like that's, was never a thought, but you just care about them. You celebrate their wins with them. And eventually you're going to run into each other at a point where you have a bridge and they have a chasm and it works. Beautiful. That brings us actually, I want to take a, I want to take a step back with all of this. There's one other really key reason to always have an exit strategy. And this is what it is. If you're looking for a job while not having been employed for some weeks, months, or years, God forbid years, what you're looking for changes drastically. I know you've gone through this. You're looking for food on the table. You don't know where your next meal is coming from. You're just looking for like bare minimum. You're not looking for a strategic shift in your career that's going to level up your, your scope, your skills, and your next move after that. Because the truth is all those things take time. So if you're in any, any kind of scarcity, cannot stress this enough, like if you are in even the slightest bit of scarcity around this, you will take whatever offer comes your way. I have done this. I have taken offers that were well below my means. I figured out very quickly that I couldn't support myself on that offer. And I was like, oh shit, I can't work here anymore. Once you got out of that scarcity mindset, all of a sudden you saw clearly again. You said, why, why would I ever have taken this job? And the reason you took it was because you couldn't see beyond food on the table. What's more important is I couldn't see all the red flags. Oh, I, I got myself, I left a toxic environment and got myself into another toxic environment because I was scarce. I was in a scarce mindset and I just needed to pay the bills, which means I, I bulldozed over all those red flags and within a week I knew it. And then she had to start all over again. Ugh, God, it was, wor- it was the worst. I completely shut down. I was useless for a month. God. So Catherine, build an exit strategy. By doing these three things and do it now while you're still in abundance. I know you want to quit, but hang on a little bit longer. You got this. Got a question for Ask Your Workwife? Record your question and email the recording to help at askyourworkwife.com. Include your name, your city if you want, and whatever context might be useful for us to know. And don't forget to start with, hey, workwives. Hey, workwives.
And you're just like, fucker. No, it's like you're a longstanding. You see him on Tinder. Yeah. That's what it's like. That is. You're like, oh, you're out shopping for other things. Like shopping for other women seems terrible. Let's take that out. <laughs> you're out looking for that's, someone else. Am I, am I not enough? Like that's what, that's right. what this leaves me with. Yeah. Right. 